five. We're going to be going continually through the book of Matthew. We have, uh, this is about our fourth year on the book of Matthew alone. I'm not being facetious, it really is. Uh, how many of you know that by the time you get through Matthew, you've just about preached the whole word of God? Because there is so much in the book of Matthew. So we are now on Matthew chapter 25, and we are in the um, verse chapter, uh, chapter 25, 14, and there is the parable of the talents. There is a comparable talent uh, thing in another book in Luke, but it really is, is different, so we're not going to read that. But for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And, one, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now, the talents there is a, a, a very significant amount of money. And so just to understand that. Then, who, then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And so he, he immediately went out. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Wow. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, now listen to this, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Therefore, you ought to have deposited the money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For, for to who everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant, into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, what a picture. What a picture. When we look at a, town, when we look at a parable, there is a, a, a main 
emphasis that the Lord is trying to get across to us in every parable. There's like what, what I call the, the main point of the parable. And so we're going we're gonna to look at those and we're going to look a little bit deeper. So as we look at the parable of the talents, it's important that we really examine what the main things the Lord is trying to get across to us here in this, in this parable. And then after that, we can see other nuggets that we can glean from the story as well. There's quite a few nuggets in this story that I think that we'll be able to, to find today that will, that will give us kind of a challenge. How many of you like a challenge? Do you like to be challenged a little bit? That was a weak amount of hands that went up, I can tell you that. Let's <clears throat> don't get caught up in the, in the last... In the last servant here, let's don't be caught up in that. That's important. Now, the main points are this. And as we go through this, we want to look at it and say, God, what, what, can you, what can we show? What can you show us? The master left some or all of his resources with three of his servants. That we see. He says he, he in, in, in verse 14, and he delivered his goods to them. Now, we don't know if he delivered all of his goods to them or just part of it really doesn't matter in a sense, but, but the Lord has, has uh, this master has, has left, he's, he's left the area, and he has given these three servants control of his wealth, basically, at that point, at least some of it. And so it's important to understand that, that the servanthood, especially in those days, many of the servants were were given great responsibilities and they had great authority as well now it's one thing to to understand the issue of of servanthood it's another thing to understand the issue of how a servant carried the authority of his master and when a servant would go and 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 deal with people or deal with merchants, or whoever it was, he had the same authority that his master had when he would go and deal with them. And it's important to understand how that relates to us. And so when we, as the children of the Lord, realize, just for example, that Jesus said, well, I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But guess what? When I leave, who is now? You're the light of the world. And so we are, we are carrying that responsibility. We are carrying the name of the Lord with us everywhere we go. And so when the master left, he, he gave his goods to his servants, and there was an expectancy there. The point number two is this. When the master returned, now each servant had a responsibility to care for and multiply the master's assets. According to the context that we see here, it was understood that the servants were to use the money to make more. We see that that what was kind of the purpose that, that he gave these servants this money. He said, look, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm going to be gone. And, and we'll see in, the, in, the, um, uh, in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, in a similar uh, parable, it says, so he called his 10 servants delivered to them 10 minas and said to them, do business until I come. Occupy until I come. Do business. Take care of that which I have given you to do until I return. 
And that speaks to me. I don't know if it speaks to you or not, but it speaks to me that whatever the Lord has left for me to do, he expects me to do it. Amen? He expects me to take care of business while he is gone so that when he comes back, there will be something for him to come back to. Each servant was given according, now this is important when it's more, each servant was given according to his ability. One servant was given five, one servant was given two, and one servant was given one. So we see that most likely this this master had a pretty good idea of the ability and the talents, when we're talking about talents, not money, but talents of the servants that he entrusted his money to. And so we see that there was a history here that, that he understood who he was giving the money to. So to the one servant, he recognized this servant can handle 10 or five, which actually turned into 10. And this servant could handle two and this servant could handle one. So what he's saying is that, that and, and at the end, what we'll find is when, when he began to settle the accounts and he came in and he said, the one servant who had the, the five multiplied into another five, the one who had the two multiplied into another two, but they both received the same reward. So it wasn't about the amount that was given to them. It was about their faithfulness to use what they had received. It wasn't about how much had been given. It was about how they used what they had. The other servant who only had the one didn't use his. I I, I remember this. I was listening to a radio one time, and I was listening to a, a, a mega church pastor. This guy was talking, and he was talking, and he said, he said, I, I want to tell you that, that the heroes for me, the heroes of Christianity in, in my book are, are, the, are the pastors who pastor a church in a small little town and pastor 50 to 100 people and stay there and, and love those people and marry them and bury them and clean the toilets and vacuum the church and do all of those different things. He said, those are my heroes of the faith. Not mega pastors who all they do is show up and preach and everything else runs like a big machine. He said, I have people that do everything. He said, I don't have to do anything, really. He said, I, 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 yeah, I do what I've called to do, and but I... He said, these people do everything. He said, those are my heroes. And what he was saying is this, the one that received five, doesn't matter whether you receive five, two, or one, it's what you do with what God gives you that matters. And the reward's the same. The reward's the same. And so it's important. You know, I heard a story one time of, of, a, of a pastor who, who pastored a church for over 30 years, and, and I, I kind of understand that. Then I'm in my 29th year. He died, which happens to all of us. Went to heaven. <laughs> Praise God for that, right? So he's in heaven, and he's just there. He's just going, my gosh, he said, how wonderful, how fantastic is this? 
which is all of our rewards, praise God. And, and, and he's, he's sitting there and he's, he's, uh, it comes time for receiving the blessings of the Lord, rewards for service. And he's standing there and he gets these rewards coming up in these wheelbarrows and he's blessed and blessed. And the guy next to him is standing there and there's like dump truck loads of rewards. Just pour out on this guy all over everywhere. And, and the pastor's going, man, I don't get it. So I serve, I serve. And he finally just asked the angel, he said, I, I, you know, I'm blessed. I, I'm, I'm so blessed. Just help me understand a little bit what's going on. He said, I, I, I pastored a church for 30 years. I'm blessed with every reward that I've received. But I don't quite understand why this gentleman over here has received so many more rewards. Can you tell me why? He said, well, pastor, it's a matter of fruit. He said, fruit. He said, yeah, he said, when you preached, this guy was a bus driver. He said, when you preached, people slept. When he drove, people prayed. So, so that's, that's how the rewards work out. <laughs> to much is given, much is required. Praise God. So each servant had a responsibility to care for and multiply the master's assets. When the master returned to settle account, the two who used the money wisely were rewarded and the one who didn't was punished. So what does the parable speak to us today? How does that parable speak to you and I who are servants of the Lord? And so the master has left. Let's just, let's just take it and apply it to us today and how it relates to Jesus and his children, so to speak, and master's servant relationship. <clears throat> the master has left and he will return. We know that, right? We've been talking about that for quite some time. We don't know when he's going to return. We just know that he is. And so it's important that we look at that. Now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you something that I think is very interesting. As I was looking at these, Ephesians chapter 4, Remember this, he said he gave to each one according to his ability, but he actually gave to them what he had, knowing that it was still his, and the servant understood that they were only stewards of that which had been given, right? They, they, didn't, they didn't own it, and nor do we. we. We realize that everything belongs to the Lord. We are stewards of the gifts we have. We are stewards of the money we have. We are stewards of the talents that we have. Everything that we, quote, possess, we are only stewards of because it all belongs to the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So we see in Ephesians 4, verse 7, but to each one of us, listen to this, but to each one of us, how many does that include? All of us. 
Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And we see in, in, in Romans chapter 12 that to all, all have received a measure of faith. We're going to read that as well. But he said this. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now get this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Now we see that as the fivefold ministry. We see that as legitimate. We see it it's still functioning. Now, it doesn't mean that every person in the body is going to be one of those offices, but we can have a part of that. There are people in this room that will never be an evangelist that have an evangelist heart that reach people and speak to people about the love of Christ. Amen. We have people that will never be a teacher, but they are, they are teaching others and so on. So there's all these kind of things. There are people who will never be, quote, a pastor who have a pastoral heart and have a portion of that in their lives, who love people and minister to people and put their arm around people and encourage them and strengthen them and bless them. He said, why do we have all these things? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. What did Jesus say? I will do the work as long as I'm here. While it is day, I'm going to do it. When the night comes, can't do it anymore because I'm going to go on and be with the Father. But he says this, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to, he's going to come and he's, going to, he's with you now, but he's going to be in you. And then later on, he's going to come upon you and great power is going to come upon you. And you're going to be able to do the works that I do. Why? Because I'm going to go be with my Father. And so you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. I have anointed you. I've called you. I've given gifts to you. I have placed in you the ability to do those things which I did while I was here. And he said, I want you to continue in those things. What? When? Till I come back. Ooh. This is good stuff. And for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry... Not that the pastors and the evangelists and the teachers do all the work. We know that. Uh, if that was thing, uh, you would not have a lunch today because I am a lousy cook. If it depended upon the pastors to cook, I think you would be probably going hungry. And so we need other people to do all these different kind of things that need to be done. But it's a portion of what God has for us. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness by why they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things to him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now back over with me to Romans chapter 12 and we'll see him speaking the same type of thing 
And he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, this is Paul speaking, that everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. That means to have right judgment. That's what soberly means. In other words, I'm to think of myself with proper judgment. I should understand who I am, who I am without Christ, who I am with Christ, and understand what God has given me, understand that which he expects of me, and not to think of myself more highly than I ought to think, but also not to think of myself more lowly than I should. I am a child of God. Amen. God is my father, and and I have gifts and so on that he has given me, and with those, as a servant of the Lord, I have the authority that God gives me to do that which he has called me to do. And so therefore, when I think about those things, I should think in a way that is saying, I know who I am in Christ, and I understand what God has called me to do, so therefore, I will walk in that to the best of my ability, knowing that I can't do it on my own. I have to do it according to the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in me and comes upon me when needed. Then he says this, for we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Does that sound familiar? Five, two, one. Having grace given to us, Let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In other words, five, two, one. So we're in that place where God has given us gifts. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And it goes on and on. So so what we see is, will God find us? I'm going to ask you lots of questions. Will God find us doing when he returns? Will God find us doing when he returns? Will we be doing business? As he says, occupy till I come. Take care of my people. He, he, he challenged Peter. He said, what do you want? To, he said, feed my people. Feed my lambs. Feed my people. Feed my sheep. Feed them. I want you to be doing the stuff. So, will we be doing business when he comes? Will we be busy about his business. Are we using the talents and the gifts and the abilities that God has placed in us, whether they be natural or spiritual, for his glory? 
You realize that God can use your natural abilities to bless the kingdom of God. He can. There are natural abilities. I I do not have certain natural abilities. I cannot play the piano. It would be a major supernatural thing if that happened. Amen? But God can use the natural abilities of others to do those kind of things. And so when we, when we see that, we should realize, God, what have you put in my heart? What are the gifts that I have? And how am I using those gifts? Am I using them for selfish motives? Am I using them for the kingdom? You know, there's, there's a, 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 an amazing catch-22 about that kind of thing. If I use, if I do whatever it is for a selfish motive, then I will not be self-fulfilled. Do you hear me? If I use them for a self-motivation, I will not be self-fulfilled. If I use them for the Lord, I will be self-fulfilled. It's just the way it is. And whenever I am acting in a selfish manner, I will never be happy. And when I'm acting in a way that is selfless, I will be happy. He that seeks to save this life will lose it. He who loses it for my sake will find it. Oh man, I'm telling you, that's the way it is. (laughs) This is where I want to get to. All this was just to preface what I want to talk about. Let's take some time to talk about vision. Let's talk about vision. I'm not going to spend a long time. I'm going to ask you several questions, and I want you to think about them all this week because I think this is important to to your success in Christ and our success as a church. Vision. Hear me. Vision is an empowering or limiting factor. Vision is an empowering or limiting factor. Our vision can expand our horizon on many, many things, or it can put a cap on what we can get accomplished. Vision can either empower us or limit us. The Bible tells us that without vision, the people perish. And the new, that's the New King James. The NIV says, without vision, the people cast off restraint. What does restraint do for us? Keeps us on track. Amen. So when people have vision, they are on track. They, they are, the Bible says, he that looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What's he saying? He that does not keep his eye on the prize and keep his eye on Christ keep his eye on that which God has called him for and begins to be distracted. I, I raised, uh, was raised on a farm. We, we had horses and we would put blinders on them. I don't know if you've ever seen them or not, but there was a halter that had blinders so the horses could not have peripheral vision. That way they would not be distracted by all the different things and they would look straight forward and you could keep them on track. And that's how you had straight rows 
when you were plowing with a horse. If you did not have blinders on the horse, you had rows like that because you're always trying to keep him on track. And so that's the way we are. If we are distracted by many things, we can... <laughs> you're distracted, I can tell. Uh, he's actually not. But the fact is, is if we keep our eyes on what God has called us to do, realizing that it doesn't have to be a big thing. That's, we, we get so confused sometimes about that, that in order to be successful in God, we have to have some big thing to be successful. We have to have some title or we have to have something that says, boy, you know, I'm connected with this because this is successful. Let me tell you, many missionaries died without success. And what they did didn't come about until after their death. The fruit of their labor didn't happen until after they had died or after they had left the country and, and those type of things. See, when we gauge our following Christ or when we gauge our vision by worldly standards, we can get ourselves at a place where we are always looking for the success of the vision to provide joy for us. When we need to understand that we need to have joy in the journey of whatever it is that we're doing. We have to have joy now. We have to, my, my, my vision for every one of you in this room, every one of you in this room, is that you live victoriously in Christ. That is my vision. I want to see that happen in each and every one of your lives. Every one of you. It's a realistic vision. It's a big vision. And it takes the power of the Holy Ghost to do that. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the power to do it. But through God, we can, we can see it happen. I want joy in your life now. Not when you accomplish something. And say, boy, when I get there, I will have joy. If you don't have it now, you won't have it then. Because that's not the way it works. Moses. Do you believe the call of God for Moses was on God when he was in Egypt to deliver the people of God? Absolutely. Do you think some guys just walking around and say, ah, I'm just going to deliver these people? from the most powerful nation on earth at the time, I'm just going to deliver them by myself. You think that idea came from him? No, it came from God. But what did Moses do? He tried to do it on his own. He tried to go out and do it on his own. Guess what? It failed miserably. As a matter of fact, he, he, mur he killed the guy, and then the people that he was going to deliver rejected him and said, are you going to kill me too like he did the Egyptian? No. So here's what happened. Moses takes off and goes out and hangs out in the wilderness for 40 years in the desert. And he's tending sheep, raising a family, tending sheep. And he can't even talk very well, according to the scriptures. But 40 years... 
the vision to deliver God's people was, I'm sure, still on his heart. At some times, he was probably going, no, God, not me, not me, not me. But it never died. And God revived it. He re-sparked it at the burning bush, right? And then it was, then it was quite a deal to move on. So just because something that God said to you hasn't happened doesn't mean it's still not valid and still can't happen yet. And we also have to realize, you know, just because we see that, that this is where God wants us to go or whatever it is, and we're not there, we don't need to come to a place to where we're in despair of all that kind of stuff. We're just saying, God, what do you want me to do now? Let me tell you, success in God is walking in obedience, regardless of the results. Success in God is walking in obedience regardless of the results. Because the results are, are something God already knows anyway. He knows where you're going to be five years from now. He knows where you're going to be ten years from now. He knows where you're going to be tomorrow. He knew where you were yesterday, and he knows where you're going to be. So the results are all up to him. And so therefore, all I have to do is be obedient to what God calls me to today. God, would you teach my ears to hear and teach my heart to obey what I hear? If you can do that, you will live in joy. You will. Now, man, I got a lot of other questions. I got to get through this. Vision is an empowering and limiting factor. God, has God placed a vision in your spirit? Has he? If there is a vision, we don't need to ignore it. If so, what's happening with it? I'm just leaving you these questions to think about. Are you living it or developing it? Is your vision too small? Is your vision too small? Mm. Daniel. Chapter 11. No, excuse me. 2 Kings. 2 Kings. I'm going to read a story to you that's amazing. Came to my heart immediately as soon as I thought about this. 2 Kings chapter 13. I'm going to go through it quickly. Run out of time. I'm keeping you late today. I'm sorry. Can you bear with me? All right. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Elijah had become sick with an illness of which he would die. This is the prophet Elijah. He knew he was going to die. He knew it was going to happen. Comes to all of us. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. Get this now. Take a bow and some arrows. So he took a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elijah put his hand on the king's hand. And he said, open the east window, and he opened it. 
Then Elijah said, shoot. Shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. They were in captivity to Syria at the time. For you must strike the Syrians at Apak till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. Listen to what Elijah said. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. His vision was too small. His vision was too small. And we find the story as we, and it says in verse 25, the last three times Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. Three times. Not five or six times. So what I'm saying is that his vision was too small. And God had more for him if he would have just asked. God has many things for us. All vision. Number two, is your vision realistic? Is it realistic? Well, I'm going to become an evangelist. I'm going to save the whole world. Every human being. That's my vision. Well, that one's probably a little unrealistic. But to be one who prays and calls out to God for the salvation of the world is a realistic vision. And it is a vision that will never stop. In other words, we can say, boy, I'd like to pray and seek that everyone in this valley gets saved. And I've prayed that. I have walked this valley. I did a prayer walk in 1996. I walked every street. It took me a year. I walked from in every street. And I took the promise that everywhere you set the sole of your feet, God will give you. And I prayed for this valley. I figure I walk 600 miles. Every street, every road, every back road, everything that was on the map. I did two hours a day, five days a week. Didn't matter what kind of weather it was. I walked it. It took me a year to the day to finish it. And guess what? Lots of people have gotten saved. But there's still more. Lots more that need Jesus. That need to come to the Lord. These are, these are visions that we continue to put before ourselves. And, and we will never see the, the full results of that, but we keep on pressing. We keep on pressing. Vision is not always something we can measure in the natural. Vision is not always something we can measure in the natural. In other words, we may not see a completion of the vision in the way that many people see success. But God will use us. I had a guy, we, just so you know, um, we have pastor's prayer every Thursday. 
this last Thursday, we had, I believe, 13 or 14 pastors and leaders that came here to pray for you, to pray for our valley, to pray for their own churches, and to minister. It's a fantastic thing. I, I got to tell you that it is uh, uh, something I never miss, ever, unless I'm out of town. We come together and we pray, 13 of us, 14 of us, 10, 12, used to be 6, 8, it's growing. Why? Because people are coming, we're praying. We have people who are leading the National Day of Prayer that, that were there. We have a lady who goes into the brothels and ministers to the prostitutes. That's her ministry. That's what she does. How many of you want to do that? No, I don't want to go in, I can tell you that. But those, what a ministry. She needs prayer. And then we have all these different things. So, so the fact is, I had a guy ask me, he said, when we were talking, I asked him about vision. I said, what do you think about vision? And he said, did, did you think that you would ever have a building like this? And he was expecting an answer to say no, and that's not what he got. This is only part of my vision. My vision for 20-some years plus is much bigger than this. I believe God is, this is only a part of what God is doing. It's only a part of, yeah, it's a big sheep shed. Praise God, we have a good, nice place to meet. But this is not the end. This is only the beginning for what God wants to do way beyond these walls. Amen? And so I told him, I said, no, I, I, I expected it. it. Took 28 years to get it, but I did expect it. Praise God. And so when we, when we look at these kind of things, that's don't limit ourselves. That's just don't say, you know, Daniel 11, verse 32, I'm going to end with this scripture. Because there are people in this room that are going to do great things for God. There are people in this room who are going to see God do great things. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Mm -hmm. Amen? What does that say? The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Does that mean that we just kind of hang out? No, I don't think so. We've got to stretch ourselves. Every vision, every vision that comes from the Lord requires faith. Every vision requires faith, and every completion of that vision requires the power of the Holy Spirit to see it accomplished. And, and whatever your vision is, let God know what it is. Let God, let God tell you what it is, and then speak it back to him and say, yes, Lord, I, I see it. I know it. This is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. Praise the Lord. You know what? I'm going to cut, cut you out of here quickly. But I do want to do this. I want us all just to bow our heads this morning. We've got, we've got a great meal. I think we have what we have, a super salad. Is that what it's called, I think? Super salad. Not soup and salad, but a super salad. So I think it's going to be some great stuff.
I'm going I'm to just pray for you that if God has placed a vision in your heart, don't let it just die. Let God use it. I know that this is a dangerous prayer for me. I may have all kinds of things that come my way. That's all right. But if you're here this morning, I want every eye just close, your head bowed. If you're here this morning and you're not totally sure, you don't know for sure that you have eternal life. You don't know for sure if you've literally received Christ as your Savior or not. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you go to church every Sunday. Maybe you've been away from church for a long time. Whatever it might be, if you're not sure and you want to make sure, there's nothing more important than knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus. Nothing more important than that. If you're here and you want to make sure, let's just raise your hand. You want to know without a, a shadow of a doubt that you have a relationship with Christ and he is your Lord and Savior and you have eternal life. You can raise your hand and I'll pray with you. We'll pray with you. If you want to come back to the Lord, if there's something you need to do, you can also raise your hand for that. If you want to just return and say, Lord, I've walked away. I want to come back. I need you. I want you just to, if you need prayer for anything, we'll have a prayer team here when I, did, when I close. And uh, people will be here ready to pray for you at the end of the service. I mean, I know that God has the ability to do anything that needs to be done. Not one thing that he is incapable of doing, except lying. He can't do that. Because whatever he speaks happens. Father God, Lord, I pray for each individual in this room right now. My God, I believe this is a time that you have set aside to touch people's hearts, to minister to them in a way that is real, is tangible, is something they can take away today that will remain with them. Stir them, God. Encourage them, strengthen them, lift them up. Lord, I pray joy on their hearts, pray victory in their lives. I pray you set them free from fear. As the servant said, Master, you're a hard man, and I was afraid, so I put your money in the ground. My God, let us not be afraid of the vision that you set before us, because if we are afraid, we will never see it happen. Give us courage. Give us strength. Stir us. Use us for your glory, mighty God. In Jesus' name.